0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word, Lord. We thank you that we can come before you and we can hear what you have to say to us, Lord. And we do pray as we contrast the foolish from the wise that we would be found wise. And help us, Lord, to always look to your wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's a lot to cover, a whole chapter and the Queen of Sheba. So we're going to divide this into three sections like most of your Bibles have it. The first section will discuss the objectives of this book. The second will encourage us to shun evil counsel. And we will look at how that looks in our own lives. And the third will be the call of wisdom. And this is where we will discuss the queen. So last time you were here, we read a little storybook. And I ended with, so let's discover God's wisdom for big girls, just like you and me. Wisdom to help us our whole life through. And so that's what we want to do. We want to learn about wisdom and to grow. So I want to begin with the source of wisdom. So I'm going to remind you of this verse we shared last time. Always keep in mind Colossians 2, 3, in whom Jesus Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So we'll begin in Proverbs 1, 1. So if you could turn there, that'd be awesome the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Proverbs was written mostly by Solomon, the son of King David and Bathsheba. And we talked about that in our orientation. And that's online if you missed it. And now you will hear and see a lot of words. We're going to see a lot of nouns and verbs. And you're going to be discussing these verbs, these actions in your small group. So we're going to discuss the nouns a bit. In the opening of his collection of Proverbs, Solomon explained the purpose of these sayings of wisdom. They are intended to give the attentive reader wisdom, instruction, perception, and understanding. So, this is the things that we're going to learn as we go through Proverbs. So, verse 2 To know wisdom, and wisdom is using knowledge correctly, and instruction, which is discipline, chastening, or correction to perceive the words of understanding, another word for wisdom, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, which is right behavior, judgment, making decisions, and equity, things that are right and true, to give prudence to the simple, the simple are those that are just ignorant, silly, they don't give much thought to things, to the young man, knowledge and discretion, or how to be wise in practical affairs. Verse 5, a wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel or look for good advice. To understand a proverb and an, I don't know how to say that word, Enigma. enigma? Okay. Saying, those are sayings with hidden meanings. The words of the wise and their riddles. So in the New Living Translation, I'm going to read this to you because I think it sums it up perfectly, the objectives of this book. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let these, those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. And as most commentators agree, verse 7 is the key to this book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So throughout the book, we're going to definitely see fools compared to the wise. Constantly, we're going to be seeing that. Pastor David Gusick says, God should be regarded with respect, reverence, and awe. This proper attitude of the creature toward the creator is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom cannot advance further until this starting point is established. And I would like to add that this reverence allows us then to be humble, and submit to his authority in our lives, which is the place we want to be at and stay at. And will we always be there? And will we always do it right? No. But That's what we need to try to do. Be humble and submit to his authority. As we mentioned last time, biblical wisdom has little to do with IQ or education because it's a matter of moral and spiritual understanding, not just knowledge. This wisdom is not just intellectual but reaching the heart, willing to surrender to God's guidance. And we can only do this by the word of God when we raise our kids, we want them to fall in line. We want them to obey. We want them to be a good example so that when you introduce your kids, you're like, this is so-and-so. And and everybody's like, wow, he's so polite. He's so nice. He's so wonderful. Um, Because we want to look good too, right? We want to be proud of them. But Reaching the heart of our children is more than yes ma'am and outward compliance, and most of us know that. They can look good on the outside and do the right things in front of people, and then it's not really that way. So we ourselves can look good from the outside. We can have all the niceties, but inside we can truly be struggling with our walk with Jesus. Most importantly, wisdom starts with a right relationship with the Lord. And so if you don't have that right now, if your relationship is struggling, or if you don't even have a relationship with the Lord, this book we study will it'll be valuable because the word doesn't return void, but you won't get all of, all of what you can get out of it. It will be empty words. So we want to pray with you after small group time. So when we go over to the Youth Center, By the couches, you'll have some leaders there. Just if you'd like to pray, if you haven't received Christ, or you just are struggling with something, we want to be there for you. So remember that we'll be there. A wise man or woman will yield their ears to hear and will continue to be willing to learn, not thinking they know it all already. They will be willing to look to wise counsel and willing to seek that out. We at times already think we know. We're not open to wise counsel." And an example of this, not in my life, I'll use somebody else, but <laughs> our son, when he was um, in high school and he was getting, he was a good football player, he was a star and all that. He just thought, you know, I'm so good. They're going to pick me. The Oregon Ducks are going to pick me because I'm so good. And we kept telling him, you have to have good grades. You have to have good grades and play football because if they see the guy that plays football well and has good grades, that's who they're going to pick over you. And he's like, I know, I know, I know. He knew everything. And so sure. Sure enough, they didn't pick him because his grades weren't good enough. And so he had to go to junior college for two years. And and it's okay because, you know, God worked everything together for the good. But the point is, he just didn't listen to wise counsel. And we also can do the same. We can be, we know, we know, we've got it. And we can be close to hearing something wise from someone else. And it's hard to be willing to be humble. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so who doesn't want more grace? So we need to be humble. So when someone speaks into our life some wisdom, and it may not be what we want to hear, we need to slow down, not react, which I can be good at reacting, take it to prayer, and seek the Lord. Being surrendered to the instruction of the Holy Spirit will keep me and will keep you from foolishness. And that's our goal. We want to be kept from foolishness. Proverbs 1.8, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for there will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. So these adornments, others are to actually see on us. They should be able to see that you're wearing them. It, it should be evident. Do others see this in us, and is it noticeable? Are we wearing these adornments of obedience? And like I said, we're not always going to be doing it, but are we overall characterized by wearing these adornments of obedience? This could be the way we talk, dress, react, what people see us doing, Reading, watching, buying, or placing emphasis on or fill in the blank. Verse 10 my son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. That's what Everybody wants to do today. Have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely, Surely in vain, the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. So if that's you or if you're that person, it's actually going to affect you more than anybody else. And greedy is covetous, wrongly desiring wealth or position. And it's a heart issue. And all sin, as we know, comes down to a heart issue, and we need to examine our own. So we see the progression from hearing to consenting to doing, from listening to those we shouldn't to walking with them and then running to evil. Are we going to go in the direction of the foolish or the wise? And again, being surrendered to the instruction of the Holy Spirit will keep us from foolishness. So how do we apply this to our lives as women? This is definitely showing us, to me, when I read this, it showed me that we need to consider our relationships. There are few more powerful forces and influences upon our life than the friends we choose. It has been said, show me your friends and I can see your future. What kind of friends do we choose? These verses show some very serious actions, obviously. It's talking about bloodshed, and we're thinking, well, that doesn't apply to us. But there are things that may appear to be less serious that we can get entangled in that will affect ourselves and be detrimental to others that we love. We have known many cases of young adults who mostly picked the wrong group of friends as they were growing up, and they would push the line with those in rebellion, doing it their own way, so to speak. And it has led down a very ugly path, which I'm sure you know people that it's happened to as well. And it has affected themselves and others greatly. Many would tell you now that they should have yielded much sooner to the right ways. But sin is progressive. And once we start, it entangles us and we can become in bondage to it. This happens, unfortunately, to grown adults as well. And sometimes when you look at a group like this, you're like, that wouldn't happen to any of us, but it can. And online is one thing women are getting involved in and they're getting pulled in because it's, it's a draw. And so be very careful what you're doing online and you, your family will be affected by it. So are your relationships drawing you closer to Jesus or farther away? And that's a question you should ask yourself and I should ask myself So what are the choices you make when you're with your friends, and where do you go? Like right now, nobody has anywhere to go, but where do you normally go? (laughs) Are the conversations that you are having with other women edifying, or would they be considered gossip? Do you find yourselves in your conversations weaving the Lord into all of it, or leaving him out altogether? So I'm going to give you some verses on friendship, Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 13 20, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And the enemy likes to tell us that it's okay, and we can do this, and we can do that. But The companion of fools will be destroyed. Wise versus the foolish. Remember, being surrendered to the instruction of the Holy Spirit will keep me from foolishness. That's one thing I wanted to really have you guys get tonight. Proverbs 17, 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. And so obviously, trust is very important in a friendship. So you need to be looking at that. Um, There's that pull of gossip, Proverbs 18.8. Rumors are dainty morsels that sink deep into one's heart. So it's something we desire as women. We like to get in here. You know, you want the scoop. So um, we got to be careful that that scoop is not hurting other people. 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. So a true friend may have to speak the truth in love to you. Do you have a friend that can do that? Proverbs 27.6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And so sometimes it's not pleasant, but you need to hear hard things, or I need to hear hard things. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. So friendships can definitely define us. Be careful who you hang with, even as an older woman. We think, ah, you know, that doesn't apply to me, but it does. We're not we're never too old for this talk. Look for, for trust, honesty, and a life submitted to the Spirit in your friendships, and that will help you shun evil counsel. And this is the place to find them. You're here, so you're going to find some great friends here. Okay, so now for the sake of time, we're going to go to 2 Chronicles 9, 1 through 12. We're going to start talking about the Queen of Sheba in the section now titled The Call of Wisdom. And we're going to blend her into this. And the call went out to her and she answered it. But for the sake of time, we're not going to go through all of this passage. But you can turn to 2 Chronicles 9, 1 through 12. And there's the queen up there. There she is. (laughs) Verse 1. Now when the Queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions, having a very great retinue, camels that bore spices, gold in abundance, and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult for Solomon that he could not explain it to her. And verse 5 Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. And down to verse 9 And she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great abundance, and precious stones. There never were any spices such as those the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon down to verse 12. Now King Solomon gave to the queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, much more than she had brought to the king. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. So there are many legends out there about this queen who traveled 1400 miles to see the wisdom of Solomon for herself. And a legend is a non-historical or unverifiable story handed down by tradition from earlier times and popularly accepted as historical, but there's no real basis for it. So we're not going to go with the legends, but with the word of God. So this woman traveled with her entourage and she most likely was carried all this long way, but this was a very long trip regardless. She had a desire for wisdom and in verse 8 in Second Chronicles 9, she says, Blessed be the Lord your God, who delighted in you, setting you on his throne to be king for the Lord your God. So she praised and honored the Lord after what she saw. It's not documented for us if she truly came to know the Lord, but regardless of the result of her search, we can admire that she did go a long way to seek God out wisdom. She came from a great distance, from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, 14 to 1,500 miles she came. And by car for us, that would be about 20 hours. That doesn't even sound fun to me. So, but she went, you know, camels and the whole thing. And from the research I've done, it took three to seven years for her to travel all this way. And so she came a long way and gave up whatever she was doing in her life at that time to seek out wisdom. She came with gifts to offer. She came to question and to learn. She came and saw the riches of the king. She came for an extended period of time, believed to be about six months. She came telling all that was on her heart. And Jesus used the queen of Sheba as an example of a seeker in Matthew 12:42. It says, the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And indeed, a greater than Solomon is here. Obviously, that's Jesus Christ. The Jews who have rejected Christ will be judged in comparison to the Queen of the South, who came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And that's, as I said, in Matthew 12, 42 and Luke 11:31, If the Queen of Sheba sought Solomon and the splendor of his kingdom so diligently, how much more should we seek Jesus and the glory of his kingdom? And my question is, what length are you willing to go to seek wisdom? We saw the Queen of Sheba went to great lengths to seek it out, and in the end, she received much more than she gave. And that's a picture of when we seek out from the Lord, we're going to get much more back than we've even given. Whatever lengths we go to in seeking Christ will never be wasted in God's economy. We can never outgive him. So we're going to read the rest of Proverbs as we discuss this. Proverbs 1 Wisdom calls aloud outside. She wisdom is per, per, so wisdom is personified in the feminine, raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge." So she, wisdom, calls for all to hear. She does not discriminate. She's loud and she calls for all to hear. The Lord is always calling out to all people, those who are ignorant of the truth, those who think they know everything, and those who are just simple folk, the foolish, the scorners, and the simple. Proverbs 123, turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and you would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. So refusing to follow wisdom has its consequences and they can be lifelong even after a person has turned back to the right way. However, the Lord is truly always ready to forgive. And these next verses can be difficult, but the problem lies with the person and not with the Lord. Verse 28, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently But they will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fill. Fear the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely, and he will be secure without fear of evil. And so we have a choice, and God is merciful beyond our comprehension. But consequences, as I said, can be lifelong. Revelation fourteen six through 11. I just love these verses. You can look at them if you'd like. Um, they just came to me of how gracious and merciful God is and how he always extends wisdom to us, always calls out to us. And this is in the great tribulation. So it doesn't really fit, but I just felt the Lord told me to give it. So God still reaches out so clearly and it would be wise for those at that time to heed these warnings. So this is the proclamation of three angels during the Great Tribulation, verse 6 of Revelation 14. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. Think about that. He's still going to be preaching. The angel's going to be preaching the gospel to everyone that's left on the earth. So no one's going to have an excuse or say, I did not know. to every tribe, nation, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. And another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. So wow, it's pretty clear. This is all gonna happen to you if you don't relent. And so I just think it's amazing. God cries out to us, to all, to the very end. And that gives me hope for my loved ones, even if they're here. Um, at the end, they're still gonna have opportunity And I would want you on your own to read Psalm 136. And it says throughout the psalm, his mercy endures forever. Then it'll say something else. His mercy endures forever. It just goes on and on and on. It's really beautiful. So we're going to take this last section quickly to our own personal lives of seeking wisdom. So my question again, as I stated, is what length are you willing to go to to seek wisdom? We saw the Queen of Sheba went to great lengths to to seek it out. When I was married two years, I was 23 years old. Um, I know Jim's mentioned it to you many times. We were just going to get a divorce. We just had had it. And we did both go and get mentored. And I went from South Scottsdale out here to get mentored by a woman, an older woman in Lord that I had never met. Someone set me up with her. And so I had to drive out here 37 years ago. Think about that. There was nothing out here. So to me, it was a long, empty way out here. And I had a baby, so I had to get a a babysitter for our one-year-old. I had to make the time, and it was well worth the venture. And so to me, that was that was big, but that was nothing like what the Queen of Sheba did. To hear wisdom's voice, we, we may not need to go a great physical length. From the bedroom to the couch can be a very short distance, but it can be a great length in actuality for us. We need to take some drastic measures. And so I'm going to talk about quiet time because I just think it's so important. So many people don't do it. You'd be surprised. And so when the house is full of noise and kids, I get it. It's really hard to find quiet time and get a clear head. But you need to find your place and your time, even if it means really early in the morning before they wake up. And I know that's not easy. But when our kids were little, four little ones, and I homeschooled, um, they thankfully slept till eight o'clock. I thought that was awesome. Um, But I would get up at 530 because I wanted to have quiet time before all the craziness. And I wanted to exercise. Those were just two things that I really felt were important to do. And so I would get up to do that. And But if you're a late night person, you know, maybe your devotions need to be late at night. But I still like to beat our grandson up and get up before him. We have a six-year-old that lives with us. And I still, I mean, even if he's up and playing quietly, it's just not the same as having that quiet. And so it's really, really important. We need to put our phones away. And it's hard. I have a hard time too. Sometimes it's right there and I'm doing my devotions, and then someone texts, and it's a prayer request. Oh, you know, I got to answer. And we just do that. We think that it's so important, and the best thing to do is to put it in another room. Just put it in another room. If, if anything, if there was an emergency, I, I think of this. Sometimes I walk through it. I'm like, someone really needed to get a hold of me. They know where I live. They know my husband. They know my kids. They know so many people. They can get a hold of me, and they can handle the emergency, you know, without me. Like, in the olden days, like we used to. So so we need to put our phones away and we need to do this if we want change in our lives, because you're not really hearing from the Lord when you're picking up your phone. So um, we can't just talk about it. We need to do it. And Just like diets and exercise, we just need to do it. And it's hard. And right now I'm trying to do weight-bearing exercise for my bones because I'm getting old, and so that's important for you. And uh, the medicine I'm on causes, you know, brittle bones and all that. And so I had to push myself to get what was needed. You know, I do it in the home and and to do it, to say, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it. So if we want wisdom, we need to go to the source of all wisdom and make a commitment to do it. And this is where we're going to gain our answers to our decisions and direction moving forward. Being surrendered to the instruction of the Holy Spirit will keep me from foolishness. So if you're having that quiet time, you're going to be hearing and you're going to be kept from foolishness. I need to keep my time with him set apart as a priority. He really should be the most important in your life. So I'm going to close with some verses. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near." Psalm 63, 1, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Psalm 119, 147 to 148, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. So if you wake up in the middle of the night, if you're older like me and you have hot flashes or you wake up, you can't sleep, you know, through the night watches, we're to meditate on his word. So use it wisely. Pray for somebody. The other night I woke up and I couldn't fall back asleep and... Wes Bentley from Far Reaching Ministries came on my mind. I don't know him personally. I've met him. But he, I just felt like he was discouraged. And he's in Africa. And I'm thinking that would probably be discouraging. So I prayed for him. So when you wake up in nighttime, pray for somebody. See who God wants you to pray for. Psalm 130, 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Doesn't mean that your life's going to be perfect, but you're going to be filled with the joy of the Lord, and that's going to be a great reward. Proverbs 8.17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. And so wisdom is calling. Will you answer? So we're going to pray and remember that we're available by the couches in the youth center. And we're just thankful that you guys came tonight. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time in your word, Lord. And we ask as we get into our small groups that we would learn even more. All the things that you have taught us through the last two weeks, that we can share them with others. And we're just grateful for this precious time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.